Hey, welcome to QWERTYCAST, the bi-weekly podcast about indie games, PC games, and everything in between. Today, I'm hanging out with Dave and Cam to talk about a topic that could very well be a two-parter episode, maybe even three, longevity in video games. So let's get started. Oh, baby. Oh, baby, oh. Here we are. I know, right? I love that intro music, as usual. It feels great. That's, that's, how I, that's how I feel some of these games. Here we are once again, playing it again. On my own or with others? Well, I guess oh. we're going to talk about that a little bit, right? <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah. So I just made this analogy up, basically that video games are kind of like clothing. You wear them for fun, you wear them for style, or maybe even to like follow a trend. But in one person's hand, a shirt could last five weeks, maybe five months. In another person's hand, that shirt could last five years. You know, this episode, I think we're going to talk a lot about, about, a lot about, about games that fuel, or fueled by their communities, games that have been around for years and they're still, like, kicking. Uh, Stuff that we love to come back to or that people keep telling us to start because it just never died off. And, you know, is it the devs, is it the community, or is it the concept of the game itself that's so enjoyable you literally can't put it down? So I, one of my first questions I wanted to ask you guys was, are there any games, ideally indie, but otherwise, that you have been playing for five years or more, and why? I'm going to let Cam start here. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, there's a couple. One mm-hmm. one that's actually indie is um, Terraria. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get some more people to play it. Uh, I know we got Kenny going for a little bit. Then we got onto a seven days to die shtick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, which we will definitely talk about a little more. So I think um, like but... certain games, it's like mm-hmm. um, Terraria can stand on its own without mods, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minecraft too, although there are some good mods in Minecraft, but Terraria has like major overall updates. <laughs> and if you like look at the game, you're like, oh, this kind of looks plain. It's two D mm-hmm. Minecraft. And you'll really annoy people by saying that. Trust me. Because <laughs> it is so much more. There's so much content in Terraria. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I remember you asking me the other episode if, like, the new Binding of Isaac DLC was going to be too much content for the game. You know, like, is that that is a question that I guess can be asked is it, like, does it, can a game have too much? Um, oh, yeah. And I, and I think it definitely can for a beginner player. But uh, before we go too much into that, well, what kind of game, maybe for Dave, have you come back to over the years? Uh, Come back to, I guess, if we're going to go on the indie route, um, I've got Seven Days to Die that uh, Mm -hmm. Walker and I, like, constantly, like, had an on and off thing with. I've played it with other groups of people as well, Um, Mm -hmm. never anything to the degree where we ended up getting into it. Um, And then Path of Exile, which is a game that's, old that i keep coming back to but i don't play it with any consistency to Mm -hmm. actually say that i like play it due to its longevity um Mm -hmm. in the non-indie like kind of spectrum i think i tend to go toward like triple a pvp games uh i had like a kick of what like two years where pretty much every day i played overwatch and Mm. um a kick of uh, years and years of my life where uh, every day I played Halo 2. Mm-hmm. And, totally. Uh, 
And oh, then God. same thing with Diablo 2. Was like and that that being the only one that's not a multiplayer shooter of the three mm-hmm. games that I like consistently went back to for years and years on end. Yeah, I think like it my is. high school experience was like I can just look at the hours I've played on Team Fortress 2. Mhm. It's over yeah, 350 hours. That was all in high school. <laughs> mhm. That is a lot of hours. It's a lot of it hours, is, yeah. It is kind of crazy that, you know, before indie games really came out, that, you know, longevity only belonged to AAA games because they were the ones that were creating a fully finished game that came out on release that you could probably play for years. Like something like Animal I would, Crossing. I would always argue like, it belonged to, like, PvP in general. Like a good mm-hmm, PvP yeah. game would just last forever. Because people yeah. still play Team Fortress 2. Right. I think that... Um, People like still play the, Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the the longevity thing definitely has been controlled by multiplayer a lot more than it mm-hmm. was by single player. I think you've seen more games. I think there are games that I'll come back to that are indie that um, will will hold that longevity. You see games that have won awards now. We're talking like Hades is a single player yeah. game that I think has a lot of longevity. It's not mm-hmm. old enough for me to given it as an answer for that question but i think it's a mm. game that in five years like you it's totally feasible that that there will still be a pretty active and involved community around a game like that if not mm. that game specifically so yeah. since we're kind of already touching base on it let's dig a little deeper into what gives a game longevity so let's say for example hades that game has at what feels like an infinite amount of voice lines that uh, if you're playing it, you just keep getting new stuff that the characters will say. That is obviously, you know, that is allowed by the devs because they can pay their voice actors to talk for a while. But other than content, like aesthetic content, voice acting content, what other things keeps us coming back to a game? Uh, For example, I think that it is all about that core game loop in a single player game at least you know that core game loop of just redoing the same thing over and over again even though they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result but you actually do get a different result with these loops like roguelikes and whatnot uh So, so what what yeah what keeps a game going i think the the Overall concept of game loop isn't exclusive to mm-hmm. a single player game. I think that's exactly sure. what makes multiplayer games have that longevity is like uh, really quick to veer into AAA. Playing Halo, it was always like, you know, you go into a game, you win that game, you get out of the game, you trash talk a bunch of 12 year olds on Xbox Live, and mm-hmm. then you go into another game again. And it's just that constant loop of like, how can we improve on what we just did? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we played this map, we're going to play this map again. You know, how can we get a bomb armed faster? How can we capture a flag faster? How can we suppress the enemies better? Um, Mm -hmm. And then in single player, uh, or if you go onto the end of like a, a game like Path of Exile, right? It's all about incremental and asynchronous improvement, I think, is what makes a really good game loop. So you'll um you'll have for example like oh i just leveled up so i want to keep going to see how this level up has improved my game 
Mm-hmm. But then it'll be like in the middle of your level up, you'll be like, oh, shit, I just found a new skill gem or, oh, I just found new equipment. Now I need to see how this affects my game. Right. And that's where you end up going into that that asynchronous loop that keeps people grinding on a game over and over. Kind of like the over, a reward system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For continuously playing. What do I you think, mean? Well, I know like League of Legends is like an addiction for a lot of mm-hmm. people, including myself. <laughs> well, but, League of Legends is the most watched video game on Twitch right now. Apparently, in this last seven days, it had 253,000 viewers, and that is a 5.9% drop-off from the last seven days before that. Well, so, yeah, it's yeah, you're not alone. Amazingly popular. These are like viewers, not Fortnite just players. Minecraft right up there, too. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they set themselves up. I was up. thinking of Minecraft. Fortnite, well, indie game. We've kind of said, we, we've discussed that League of Legends is indie, right? Kind I, I wouldn't say anymore, kind of. to be honest. Okay. They've been owned by Tencent for like, yeah. years. Is this game yeah. from Tarkov indie? I, I feel like I think we landed on that counting as double A, but I think it technically is indie. I'm not certain. Seeing what's the first indie game to show up here. It's probably Among Us. Which, you know, yeah, so rewards in games, like some kind of reward that makes you keep coming back. You mean like a reward, like, that keeps developing stuff that you don't know that you can get, that you're just like, whoa, this is cool. I didn't realize this was a gift for playing. No, I mean, just look at that you're aiming for. Just look at pretty much any first person shooter made today. There's Mm going to be loot boxes. And that like triggers your gambling instinct. So that's why people want to buy it when they buy it. And that's why... (laughs) Pretty much everywhere now, at least in Europe, uh, they have to have percentages of what's possible to earn in loot boxes because it is gambling. Oh, but that like, that, go ahead. Oh, sorry. That like feeling of when you get something good, and just like, wow, good guy. Look at this. Look at this rare skin that like a million people have, but now you have it too. Otherwise, yeah. it would cost you twenty bucks. Like League gives right. you free skin shards occasionally to do that. Yeah, Overwatch always did a good job of introducing new skins. Yeah, mm. I, I actually liked how Overwatch did loot boxes um, compared to like PUBG. I don't know if you ever, mm-hmm. when they introduced oh. it, it was so bad. Well, they, like, they had... introduced it with, um, hey, you could earn loot boxes, but then you have to buy the keys to open the loot boxes. So these yeah. loot boxes are literally <laughs> worthless unless you pay us. Oh my God. Yep. Yeah, I hated that they did that. Uh, that actually, was such like, an obvious cash grab. Like many of their attempts at at innovation were just obvious cash grabs. I think people like I think game developers now realized the better path is uh, free loot boxes with like very little outcomes, but eventually people pay more or like a season pass mm-hmm. approach where you earn free things, but they make so much money on it, and it's it's just because like it's addicting to earn stuff for your time. You feel like you accomplished something even though you're not doing anything. I think a huge push, sorry to interrupt, I think just like one thing I've been noticing a lot more in video games is that there is a, like the longevity almost comes from aesthetic and customization of character and customization of like look and, you know, texture of the the thing that you're playing, the thing that represents you, you know? Uh, Right. Yeah, I and 
although a lot of times that part does cost money, you could actually like pay with it, you know, pay real money for skins and for clothes or whatever in like Fortnite. Um, that is definitely something that keeps people coming back. Let's say, for example, although I know we all probably are not going to really keep playing it, Fall Guys every single season comes out with new skins and they try to keep people interested, not only with what they're providing, but what you can put in. Like they also early have like, timed on. events too. That's yeah, like a big exactly. Game. I just I feel that though they they are missing like some sort of key element to, yeah. to like capture that longevity. I, I think mm. that that game was, and I'm pretty sure we've discussed this before. I think Kenny might have mentioned that like that game was like built to to capture your attention for a short amount of time. Right. Um, and I but, mean, for me, it was kind of impressive that it felt like I was playing with sixty other people every game. And yeah. it wasn't that 60 other people were in the room. It was that we were all competing against each other. And I don't know if I know another game that does that so directly. I don't think that I cared. Um, I think that like <laughs> okay. more so I looked at those other people as like additional hurdles obstacles. and obstacles. Yep. <laughs> I, I just looked at them as like, I want to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And there's all these dumb shits in my way. I love that it, it it was real people like it's real people and a lot of times like it could be four people all hanging out together and that's like a whole line that is like that's what we were doing a lot of the time you know we were all it, playing together it was a lot better we, played with friends yeah absolutely and like so many times you know you wouldn't continue to the next stage unless everyone got past the first stage that was the QWERTY cast rule for Fall Guys Right, and I think a lot of people had that rule, but at the same time, that kind of detracted from the core gameplay of the game itself, which is mm -hmm. that, like, oh, like, 28 people succeeded, and, like, of that 28, there's, like, two or three groups of three to four people where one person didn't get in, and just everyone drops, and you're like, 28 people succeeded, next round starting with 13 people, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell just happened? That's a good point. I never actually thought about that being the reason we lose people, is because they yeah. leave in groups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So what I wanted to say really quick before we get mm -hmm. too off topic of that is um, we're off topic of what we were discussing, which was mm -hmm. um, the rewards. Uh, I feel like that's something that and I, I don't feel like it. I know that mm -hmm. that's something that studios took a key uh, took took that from mobile and Facebook games, which uh -huh. did actually really play into that whale kind of mentality of like oh, yeah. we don't need to capture everybody's money we just need to capture like 12 people's money and if they're willing to spend give thousands, thousands of dollars mm -hmm. yeah Holy and shit. you're right and i don't love i think that's the problem that everyone started to take toward um loot boxes and stuff is it 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 revealed this predatory side of the industry that like we overlooked inside of um like mobile games because they're free to play but once mm. you got to that part of like, oh, so you're charging money for something that should just be an in-game reward or should have just been unlocked from the start, and you're also attaching a 60 to $70 price tag to this game, right. that's kind of fucked. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that... Um, th I think that's where we saw that uh, shift off of like uh, what PUBG did. They they really yeah. highlighted the issues with the loot box stuff by just going so hard into like, nope, pay us money or like, mm -hmm. that's it. 
um, EA did the same thing with Battlefront uh, or Battlefront 2. I can't remember which one where it was like, mm-hmm. no, you can unlock everything. Just play like a thousand hours or give us five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely, we're testing the boundaries. I kind of saw that with like, what's it called? What was that game? Genshin Impact. That game is a gotcha game, basically, where you're just doing Breath of the Wild style, like world exploring, dungeon crawling, and the characters you get, you get like a core four or five, but after that, every character you get is a gamble, or or unless you grind the story. Um, and so you could get a story character that comes in way down the line, super early on, by just using wishes, and you can yep. grind like an like a mother for wishes and all of all of the gems that allow you to make those wishes, but it's a lot easier to just buy them. And yeah. the grind is really hard though. Like unless you're, I don't know. I didn't get. I tried getting far into it, and then I had to swap from one console to the other. So I lost the momentum on that game. But that game at least had like probably twenty to thirty hours of gameplay before they really kind of incentivized you to pay them money but it was free you know and yeah that is an indie game like yeah the it's there's no black and white for sure every like there's always going to be an example of a game that's doing it a little bit differently um but i think what what we're getting at though is like pay to play is definitely infamous in the industry right now pay to play is something everyone hates and yeah. we like nobody no real like <laughs> indie game devs don't really go into a game expecting to go into the pay to play market but maybe they right. are these days cuz you know you can make money <laughs> that's yeah, how you just keep playing like people game playing mhm um, especially well, if it's 99 cents at a time so kind of, i go ahead i was to say just to get us back on topic mhm to what we're originally saying if i don't mention this kenny's going to hate me uh, I know what he'd say is faster than light is a game that to him, he always comes back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is because of like you mentioned before, like Hades is probably going to be one of those games down the line. People will keep playing. I think it's because mm-hmm. it's a roguelike. It yeah. just has that, that core gameplay loop. Exactly. Yeah. And so here's, I, here's where I'm not sure to divert is do we keep talking about single player or do we talk about multiplayer? Cause those are such different beasts. So really and, quick, yeah. I wanted to throw in that uh, to answer your question a little bit further. Um, something that like provides longevity in games for me is the more immersive I find the game, the more I'm normally willing to come back to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to cite an example of Shenmue, actually, because we were talking mm-hmm. about the gacha games. And in mm-hmm. that game, one of the like weird types of things that you could just do much like in Persona games, how like it, it relies so heavily on your day-to-day interactions of mundane things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that you could do in Shenmue was... Uh, Shenmue? Shenmue? Uh, was go into those like little 25-cent machines and like it's a collector's item, you know? But you're like collecting mm. it in-game and you can just like stand in front of one of them like for several minutes just putting in yeah. like a yen 
twisting it around, getting a new little figurine. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, like my digital character that I'm mm-hmm. role-playing as has gotten a new collector's item. <laughs> oh, see, look, like he can play pinball, you know, like it gives you almost like that sensibility of like you're playing a living breathing person like the, and mm. this is like what they do in their spare time is go to the arcade and like you know play a fucking boxing game and try to get the high score stuff like that okay new question then can you think of games that have mini games in them that are as much fun to play as the game itself Catherine. Catherine, wait, what was, okay, Dave first. Catherine, what what was the minigame? Catherine, the minigame was a different take on the core gameplay. So in Catherine, you are a dude who uh, is having these nightmares um, where you're basically being attacked by monsters. You have to climb up to the top of the tower before mm. uh, you before the night's over or you die uh, in real life, essentially. Sorry mm. for the spoilers on this old-ass game. <laughs> um but then at night before you go home and go to sleep you're Mm. in a bar with your friends and you're like texting like so you can choose like a few different dialogue options um (laughs) the art style is just incredible in this game atlas of course um and um but there's an arcade machine that you can go over to Mm. and uh Okay, so you'll see the core gameplay here is is that. And then in the arcade machine, it's that same gameplay, but you're limited on how many how many blocks you can move. So the core gameplay, oh, you can move wait. as many blocks yes, as you need I to. Yes, I have heard about this. Catherine's yeah. mini game, the block climbing thing, has, yes. like, yeah, I remember reading about how this has its own, like, life in itself. Yes. That there is, like, a community of people who play the mini game in Catherine competitively because there are there are ways to be tricky about it and ha- to have strategy and i and whether or not like there was that much intended it yeah. i mean i doubt it had the intention of living on more than the game itself but i ha- really, I, I, feel I, like I did watch like a mini doc so about worth it. it yeah <laughs> oh god like what what a game that i can't recommend enough like i love mm-hmm. that game anyway um sorry okay cam, cam did you have you an example an Oh, yeah. I mean, you ever play Gwent? No. No. What's Gwent? It's a card game in Witcher 3. Oh, gotcha. I now know the game that you're talking about. Yeah, it's just like a little strategy strategy game. And you just like, in the game Witcher, you you can go around collecting Gwent cards and just play Mm. people in Gwent. And it's like, it was so popular that they actually made a mobile game for it and its own game for Gwent. Mm. Wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah. There'll be jokes about people playing that game more than the actual core <laughs> gameplay of Witcher. I mean, nice. like, I know that there's probably a lot more people playing um, poker in Left or in Red Dead Redemption Two than there are people playing the core game now. Like, maybe not more people, but there are a lot of people playing poker in Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, <laughs> it's a just, good uh, poker well, sim. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I would love to see that more in indie games for sure. I know that, like, obviously most of the time it's spent on the core game and not a mini game inside of it, but that is definitely something that keeps us coming back to games too, is, like, maybe there's just one section of that game that is just really fun to replay. I'm yeah. trying well, to think of another example. 
but have you, uh, what games do you keep coming back to andres yeah i guess you so, haven't really answered the question too much i know right <laughs> the questions you've been asking he's like there's I think, none i hate them all yeah i i fucking hate games um <laughs> i think that originally i would come back to a lot of single player games and now because of QWERTYCAST and because of like the gaming community we've sort of built, it's a lot easier for me to play multiplayer games, online games. So my library is really much more single player except for, let's say, Duck Game. Duck Game mm -hmm. is definitely a game that I have come back to every single year since I started playing it, uh, mostly because of the silliness of it. So that's something I'm attracted to. I am, I am very, I could care less about realistic looking video games. I could care less about how, how like detailed a tree is or how, how, you know, like how detailed my survival sim is in terms of, I need to drink and eat and all that stuff. I a hundred percent am so much more interested in silly, funny, creative, like, elements of a game for example duck game has quacking you know that's a button that's hilarious duck game has like a whole bunch of guns and they all reference other video games sometimes like what's that one i'm trying to think of a gun in, in duck game now that references another video game uh i think the gun yeah there's that one gun that shoots a very slow bullet that will fry you that is a reference to Aqua Teen Hunger Force and the Moonanites, which I remember oh. somebody bringing up during our stream. Uh, and let's say, let's go to another game. So uh, the Legend of... No. Enter the Gungeon. I made that mistake last time. I was about to Enter the that, Gungeon. Like, you like uh, gun references. Yeah, well, okay, so let's talk a He's little bit a about that. He's a boy about yeah. violent games. <laughs> gun references are hilarious because they can just, like, you know, there's... Only so many ways you can make a gun until you want to be creative about it. So when you have well, a yeah, and they, game, they, they that's have the baseball bat called guns. Blasphemy in a gun mm -hmm. game, right? And it's like it will reflect bullets, and then there's like, I, yeah, the bullet um, character has a like a baseball that also shoots or something, right? Uh, yeah. Not jumping on that too much, but references to other video games are something that I really love seeing. I. And I think the core loop of Gungeon by yourself is a lot of fun because it feels like there's always a lot happening and you have to pay attention to every enemy on the screen that you're trying to like snipe out and then just keep moving really fast. So it feels like you're pushing through really quickly and the better you get, the less time you spend on those early levels. So it, you get that sense of progression. Like, yes, I'm, I keep looping, but at the same time, I'm spending half as much time on level one. Which um, is such a difference between the multiplayer aspect of Duck Game, which very yeah. much requires a group of people to play with. I know that I would play Ultimate Chicken Horse quite a hell of a lot if uh, anyone else would launch <laughs> it up and play with me. <laughs> yeah, um, and that, yeah, Ultimate Chicken Horse, I still don't even know. Do you uh, think that community yeah. content... Was important to you because Duck Game has a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. So and let's I noticed, talk like, about community. That games that have that, like Minecraft, is like the only reason I feel it got so popular is because of streamers and just the community in general mm -hmm. and how like make all these crazy things with it to what it's become today, the behemoth it is. 
I think that is really important is that a game the one of the main elements that will help a game continue is going to be open like opening what open source like right what what's what's the phrase I'm looking for I mean opening the game right. yeah opening the game up to the community to mess around with for example left for dead 2 that game should be dead by now but it had a huge release that was specifically a level that was created by the modding community uh binding and of it isaac did get us to play it yes and we yeah we did and i fucking love left for dead too we and got him, we boys. didn't even we got play <laughs> it was, we didn't even play though, the new level first we played all of the old ones before we touched the new one and I, I think that the interesting thing is that it didn't change anybody's mind on the game. I'm personally not a big fan of Left 4 Dead. I think it, like it's a really boring gameplay loop. Um, and so when we played, it was just like, okay. and like I like kind of slogged through. And like, All right, yeah, that was a couple oh, days of playing here. with you until you finally admitted you actually don't like the game. And everyone's like, why are you playing? Uh, no, I, I, guys, I, I never played... was pretty open about it. Like we never played we the competitive version it. of it. Oh, with right? the zombies, like where you some people play zombies, some people play humans. Because that's what me and Kenny got addicted to. Mm. We were playing competitive. Okay, I mean, it's like, a whole different jump into. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Yeah, because then you like, actually I, have yeah. new moves. You can be the zombies. For well, me, I, I think the PVE experience itself was just like not enjoyable. It was. It's mm. has a very much like the same thing as like some other games that I used to play occasionally, like PUBG was one of them where like I played it, but like I always found myself asking like, why am I playing this? And I was like, Oh, I guess I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. We're talking about community and we're talking about how a game can continue living because of the mods from the community. So is, is there a game that actually has that as an example to you that you do pretty enjoy? Much, pretty much any Bethesda game. Okay. For me, um i don't do a whole lot of modding um i'm not so talking about not you been... modding <laughs> no like i'm talking I don't, about you playing i don't i understand you're not talking about me modding fucking dick i don't play a lot of games with mods on them i'm not very big into the modding community in general so when i'm saying i don't do a lot of modding, i mean on my games i don't add a lot of mods onto games so no i don't have that is what i was trying to say you know and i you don't use any of those tools with path of exile no Path of Exile is a base game for me. Okay. Cam, you like modded tools? Yes. Tell me about <laughs> it. I, it's like a ritual once a year. I go back mm -hmm. to Skyrim or Fallout 4, depending on how I feel. Mm. And just mod it for about two weeks. I don't even know if I'll play it, but just the experience of modding the game is mm. fun enough for me to finally get it to work. Wait, well, like that you are modding the game or you're just adding mods to it for fun? Just adding mods. Oh, I, I don't make the mods, no. Yeah. I'm not that good. I mean, if you go on YouTube, you can look at content creators and all they do is review mods and they still do for Fallout 4 and Skyrim. Yeah. I talked to a coworker of mine whose kid, like under 10 years old, plays a lot of Minecraft and she talks about how he spends a lot more time like watching YouTube videos about the mods and different things that you can do with the game and that this kid is totally plugged in to the community more than he is like the base game, which I think is really interesting because like kids are starting off with that instead of starting off with like base games and then slowly discovering the community. 
um, or at least maybe that is really it, but like the com- communities are so much more prevalent now. I feel like it started with video games having their own websites that had forums, and then it moved over to platforms with forums like Steam. And now we have Discord. Every game can have their own Discord server where you have the whole community there talking about it. You know, so, let's see how many games do I even have? But yeah. So my up, question, I guess, is like, at what point in time does it become more about like you're just talking about a game than actually ever playing it? Or like in Cam, in your experience, like you you enjoy the the act of like adding all those different mods onto the game, but then you mentioned like you might not even play it. You just like added a bunch of mods onto it. And like yep. just seeing the kind of stuff that you could do, which mm-hmm. I understand the experience of. I've tried to do it with Fallout New Vegas before. And like some stuff I was like, oh, this is fun. Like this is interesting. But it didn't push me enough to play through the entirety of Fallout New Vegas again. It's a very large game. And it gets even larger when you add like 12 mods to it. Mm. Um, and then the same thing goes with Minecraft. Like there's some really cool Minecraft mods that I remember um when i was watching a lot of other podcast stuff and like one of them was like a pokemon mod and like Mm. they basically like shoehorned pokemon into minecraft and i thought it was really fucking awesome i didn't have anybody to play it with so i didn't but like i don't think that it would have kept me around long enough to for me to consider it like a game that i would have revisited every day but Mm -hmm. again i'm not plugged into that community well enough so i guess for me, like, what at what point in time does the community actually outlive the game itself, where right. most people don't even play the game, they just look at stuff about the game? Uh, I think it just depends how you make it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, for Minecraft, it's it's just content creators. Keep it alive. And then mm. let's go, for example, for, like, Overwatch and League of Legends. Overwatch pushed so hard to get into esports because mm. it knows that if it did, it can... It might not get players to play the game, but it'll get people to watch the game at least. Yeah. And that, that, that it's also a source of revenue. Uh, League of Legends, like Riot Games, and mm-hmm. they, uh, like basically, them and like Counter-Strike like forefronted it. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say Counter-Strike did. Uh, I would say League of Legends really like, went big for the huge venues and concerts and just like over-the-top production. And it, it kind of set the stage for it. Because I remember, like, I think I barely ever watched professional Counter-Strike back mm-hmm. in the day, but it wasn't really until, in my opinion, I'm probably wrong here again, it wasn't really until, like, Riot Games took it and, like, made so much money from it that these people were just like, oh, we can we can do better and do more. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Valve, like, it's like they have, like, the biggest uh, grand prize ever like a couple million dollars and that's all funded by the community you can like pay to to do the thing and then if they win the dota 2 tournament then they get this prize pool mm. like right. but I that mean, alone they, like i was like, I, was saying, like I don't play dota yeah it's like i don't play dota 2 at all but right i like contributed to the prize pool and watched it and like yeah. they that, they basically got me there they made money and got what they wanted yeah, it's it's almost like they combined the idea behind a concert and the idea behind like the World Series of Poker, mm-hmm. um, where like the people entering pay to get into the tournament, but then like the people viewing are also paying just to watch it. That's right, like a very think, interesting like double dipping strategy that just worked out for them. Rocket League is kind of there too, right? Like they are yep. pretty much they are an esport now, and yeah. yeah. 
after, you know, selfless plug, the fact that we're doing a, a league right now for, for a month or two on Rocket League, on our Twitch, it's showing me more and more how people treat it like a sport, even though there's hilarious skins and there's flying. But it's still a sport. The way that we're communicating with each other, with our teammates, each team is different, but it is a lot of like, all right, I'm going up, you stay back, okay, follow up, cut, and like terminology and and interactions that are very like unique to each group, but it it's still being treated like a sport. And I think that's very unique. I I don't love sports that much, but I just love seeing how this game has developed into something so big, something so communal. Um and it's still incredibly popular and it came out in twenty fifteen. But yeah, Rocket League is definitely I think it's up there in the top twenty of games that are viewed on Twitch. Twenty or thirty. Yeah, it's twenty one. So mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll get so, views by default. I think <laughs> that's the thing. So, so I guess yeah, you know, you first. The the main things we've kind of landed on are longevity in games, influenced significantly by a core gameplay loop that can mm-hmm. keep people engaged in what they're doing, but also uh, at least in terms of a multiplayer game, especially more so I think than a single player game. It manages to be more about the community around the game there are notable exceptions like how cam mentioned skyrim skyrim being a single player game the modding community is really what keeps that game alive Mm -hmm. um whereas a game like league of legends the community definitely keeps it alive but like the core gameplay loop of um of mobas is just Mm -hmm. very much it's it is that like almost comparable to like the multiplayer version of a roguelike where Mm. you have like your overarching stuff that you unlock all the time. I new characters that you can permanently unlock. And then each game that you go into, you start from like a, a relative ground level of you have no skills. You're playing, killing mobs, killing other players so that you can get the experience to level up inside of the game itself. Mm. So, like, that that core gameplay loop and community seem to be the two biggest things impacting right. longevity of a game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, in terms of multiplayer, like, yeah, you're hitting it on the head. As we've discussed, it's just it. how do you allow people to adjust that game for their own play style uh, yeah. or play style with a team? So I think games that can approach it that way are, are in a much stronger position. And, mm-hmm. But I think it's really difficult to make a game where where you can reward players for playing a bunch of different styles. Um, I think of games like Team Fortress 2 or Overwatch, which is inspired heavily by it, where mm-hmm. you've got people who don't necessarily... Myself, I'm terrible at shooters. I don't necessarily care about killing a bunch of people. I'd mm-hmm. much rather like be protected and heal somebody while they mm-hmm. do some killing. What... So then, what causes a game to just what like what's the easiest way for a game to kind of just die, and what could bring it back? For me, the easiest way for a game to die is uh, for it to be flat, for it to just rely on like one gimmick or like just mm-hmm. one note to keep it alive. When you don't have multiple areas engaging the user, I think that's where uh, a game falls short for me. I think um, I can probably like rummage up a couple of examples of that for me though like 
um, games that model themselves after Diablo, uh, one being Wolken. Like, they keep trying mm-hmm. to revitalize themselves, but they started on such a bad foot of, like, we had an idea and we went with it and it, like, didn't land. So mm-hmm. we're going to, like, lean really heavily into the idea and keep trying to revive it and revive it. And every time an update comes out, the majority of reviews are, like... Uh, they added this thing that like they added more content, but they didn't fix the core gameplay. So like, mm-hmm. uh, it's still not fun for me. It's like, well, I'm wondering what made no man's sky come back. No uh, man's sky, I think was a commitment to the promise that was made for the original game. And I think a lot of people gave it the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to actually be the game that, was originally marketed to them. Yeah, I think they're kind of lucky. Yeah, to be honest, they definitely yeah. are. I don't see a lot of games that come back from that that bad of a reception. I personally like what what I didn't get was like a game like um, Destiny Two. How did that revive itself when like they took the same strategy as Destiny One? They were like, mm. let's release a game that doesn't have everything that we want in it, and then later on we're gonna charge people a bunch of money for something that we promised them that they would have had initially. Yeah. And people just ate it up twice in a row. What a, what a miracle. (laughs) The same thing's happening with cyberpunk and the same thing happened with Witcher three. That game came out with a, not a complete game, bad reception, and they eventually redeemed themselves. And now Witcher three is like one of the best games of all time. But if you go back, it had a bad reception. It had a bad release. But how much, extra content did they like charge for i i don't know because i i I never really actually got into the witcher 3 i know like that was a big thing for no man's sky no one would have given that not no one but like all significantly less people would have given that game a second chance if they were like hey we fixed the game and it's another 45 dollars for you to play what we actually wanted you to buy and like Mm. so i think that that free content update that's what like boggles my mind about destiny is like the first destiny it was like okay we can forgive you like we'll give you a little bit of extra money because like you know you put a lot of extra development time into making Mm -hmm. this expansion that like fixes all the stuff and then in destiny 2 it was like we forgot what we did in destiny 1 we're just like starting from scratch again Mm -hmm. and like and everyone it's as if the entire community also forgot what bungie did with destiny Mm -hmm. 1 which was which made destiny two to me seem like such an obvious cash grab move of like, ha tricked you again. Like just Mm. give us another $40 for this expansion. And that's the actual game that we told you that you were going to get on launch. Hmm. And people fucking ate it up. And I, I personally refuse. I'm still very bitter about uh, the destiny Two release and then selling a season pass that was called the expansion pass, which said that it would, include all expansions and then afterward renaming it to the season pass which Mm. then did not include all of the expansions just the first season of expansions well Mm, they gotcha they did yeah played the game (laughs) yeah but i i didn't buy the expansion so Mm. uh they really they didn't get (laughs) you yeah they they fumbled for me but i guess overall the community to my knowledge is still fairly going strong and feel as though they've been fan serviced even though they've been like bled dry to get that Mm. content i think two genres that are really important to like allowing longevity mostly because they allow the 
players to keep the game going more than the community or like the devs themselves are farming sims and survival games uh we're definitely going to talk a little bit more about survival games because that's something that's really taken our server over but starting with farming sims i think that is a kind of structure that even if you didn't really release that much content over time uh people could still come back and keep trying new things stardew valley for example that game uh when did it even come out but that game is still incredibly popular and only cost $15 for the base game. Let's see, by... Okay, I'm not going to try to uh, pronounce that. But <laughs> Stardew Valley is, you know, you have not only farming, you also have, like, some dungeon-crawling monster fighting, and you have the relationship sim of it all. But What are you not going to farming... try to pronounce? Concerned the... Ape? Thank you. Is that... Can... I couldn't read it well. Con... Oh, I see. The R and the N were kind of blending for me. Yeah. Um... I was like, Consamps? No. Yeah, Concerned uh, <laughs> Ape was the uh, developer and publisher, is the developer and publisher of Stardew Valley. Right. And that game, if you watch people play who have been playing for a while, their farms look incredible. They have, you know, like, they have the they have the, the animals, like pigs and cows and chickens and all this shit. They have their own little lakes and, and patches for each different type of food and I don't know. There's there's so much complexity in that game because you can, I think, uh, customize a lot of stuff. And also, once your farm looks diverse, it really looks like colorful. It looks like something you could be like proud of looking at every day when you wake up. Um, yeah. We all, well, not we all, but like a lot of us got into Animal Crossing during that huge rush in April when quarantine first hit. And I still know people who are playing it today. Um, you know, months later, they're really into the game. They're really into like continuing to try new things, and the small up the up updates that feel kind of small still do give people new things to try. Like the Dream Islands, apparently that's like a cloud save sort of deal that you can also share with other people. And every new season brings in new like elements to collect, uh, even though it's not really changing too much how you're, you know, building your island. So I, I love think, that there's a group of people that can enjoy those games. Yeah. I wish that I was a person that could continue to go back to a game like that and actually like farming relax sim. while playing a video game. Yeah, the stress for me is that if I wanted to try something new, I'd have to scrap the old. And then that would also scrap my progress, like the things that make the game easier to play. So yeah. That's something I actually like doing. So Scrapping? Just scrap, start over. Because I did it with yeah. like no more oxygen, and I do it all the time with the Rune World. You just oxygen find like not a, included. Yeah, no, no more oxygen. Yeah. No more <sighs> oxygen. Which just to like, I could spend another fifteen minutes on Clay Entertainment or Clay Studios all by itself. Uh, K L E I, I think it is. So oxygen not included. Uh, K L E I, yeah, Clay Entertainment. They with oxygen not included. If you want, there's like a mini documentary I think from No Clip that talks with the CEO and he says that he feels very proud that he kind of tricked players into learning with his video game because you are learning infrastructure. If you were a plumber, you could use like your actual common sense to create proper plumbing in your base. 
and same with electricity and then it moves on to automation and then event like the newest update is actually building rockets just everything that do with like your fuel your electricity your plumbing everything's very rooted in reality in how gravity works and the the physics of it all um and like pressure but you know it's a goofy game it's like a cartoon game there's like alien creatures and all that stuff so it's like a mix of both people just peeing that was my word i would have stopped playing that game a while ago if it wasn't for playing with other people even though we weren't playing on the same planet together but i just kept everyone kept drowning in their own pee (laughs) and dying (laughs) from from gross germs like locking them locking somebody else behind a door that you ended up like doing something with that could Mm -hmm. then no longer be opened and the other person starves yeah exactly so and and i mean don't even get us started on don't starve and don't starve together which is also by clay entertainment those games are still incredibly popular and clay recently i think uh joined up with another company that was going to give them better technology for the development of their games i can't remember that's awesome let's see tencent acquires majority stake these people are everywhere don't starve really what do you mean that's so Cam was just oh, mentioning yeah. how Riot has that majority ownership by Tencent. Um, Tencent oh. gave Blizzard a bunch of money for Diablo Immortal, I believe. Tencent, I think, is how Bungie got out of their deal with Activision Blizzard with Destiny. Wow. Mm-hmm. They are uh, big money, big money from China. I incorrectly referenced Tencent when I should have been talking about Netties. Uh, I'm sorry for the mistake, and I would love to say that it wouldn't happen again, but it definitely will. Thanks for listening. Mmm. Big money. Mm-hmm. So, let's, I guess, you know, get wrap up what we've sort of discussed, right? You, you did a little bit of that, but in terms of what gives a game longevity, we know that a lot of times it is the community. It's also the core game loop, like we mentioned, and it is what you can do with it. Even if it's not a loop, like where Stardew isn't a loop, it's it's just a continuous game. What are the things that you can do to customize the world you have? Yeah, uh, and then for me, immersion. How how closely mm-hmm. you can connect with a game and the character that you're playing, whether it's a character that you create or a character that's given to you, like in Hades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we are definitely leading. I, as an adult who plays video games, I am becoming more and more attracted to games that I can spend long like a long time on not necessarily eight hour playthroughs every night but a game that i can come back to for an hour and then drop off and then come back to and play for years right longer play time shorter play sessions yeah yeah exactly Hey, and welcome back. We are going to jump straight into another section in this episode. It's going to be a pretty casual review of the game Seven Days to Die by The Fun Pimps, and also a little bit of a review of survival games in general, since we're talking about longevity in video games. Um, Seven Days to Die is an open-world game that is a unique combination of first-person shooter, survival horror, tower defense, and role-playing games. 
played the definitive zombie survival sandbox RPG that came first. And Nava's game awaits, which is the main world that you, the main world seed that they developed for the game. When you start the game, there are maybe three sizes of worlds, and then you jump in and you host your own server, and you can have up to eight to 16 people play in your server with you. These games and worlds are massive, especially if you try loading a world seed that is was created by the modding community, or at least like the devs over time. There are lists of some of the best world seeds out there, but the game itself is incredibly fun to play with people. And we on QWERTYCAST in the Discord server were playing it for hours. There were nights where we were in there until 5 a.m. together developing the bases, fighting off zombies, and this game gets harder as it goes on. So every seven days, and this is adjustable, but every seven days a zombie horde will attack and it's up to you and your team to develop a strong base that won't get completely destroyed, somewhere you can actually survive out and kill all these zombies. Or it's up to you and your friends to break off into different teams and Mm -hmm. not cooperate in any way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You really... so. Seven days to me felt like D and D, where the game itself was the DM, and maybe it's just because I hadn't really played too many survival RPGs, but we were all invested in our own line of information and knowledge. Like we, like let's say for example, Max, he was learning how to be an engineer. He was making all of our auto turrets, our guns, and our gyrocopters, and learning through that skill tree. Kyle was our miner. Miner 69er was the skill that he was pumping up. And um, he just got to a point where with a sledgehammer, he could basically knock out like a whole column in in the ground really quickly. And I was being our our chef, which Dave initially wanted to be, but um, couldn't jump on at first. And I saw how much fun it like. I get why you want to be the chef. It's really fun to like to to feel accomplishing when you start punching crops and you get three out of them instead of one also, and you're I able wanted to, like... to be I wanted to be in charge of my own hunger and what? thirst. Be- hunger and thirst. I wanted no. to be in charge of my own hunger and thirst because I, I didn't yes. want uh to rely on someone else cooking and making drinks for me because then I would inevitably uh go longer without food. Yeah, and what was nice was that at the point that we had gotten in the game, since we played for, I think, a straight week, we or maybe even more, we had gotten to a point where I had actually, I I was set with food. The, I, I was at a point at the, as the chef that we would not go hungry again. We were making, we were harvesting enough corn and meat and, and potatoes in order to really make any large dish that would feed you with 50 food or more um, oh, which is really again. nice <laughs> yeah uh and i mean there was, and i did like that there was a bunch of different recipes you could try it wasn't just like three it was at least like 10 different stuff and they all had like you know some were better for digestion i i didn't have to worry about keeping myself hungry or or, or thirsty either because i was a chef you're right but there, there was a point where it felt like our skills would plateau where we wouldn't have to worry about like just surviving each day and we could start lear- like worrying about surviving for each 7 days like the you didn't hordes have to worry were about still surviving really tough, but... you more had to worry about thriving yeah yeah that's a good way to put it 
Uh, and there, I think there is definitely a lot of elements in that game that can be just really fun to keep playing for a while, like decorating your base, building interesting-looking bases that are based off of real buildings. Um, I would see, let's say, for example, there was a whole YouTube channel of a guy that would renovate homes in Seven Days to Die. He started off with a game specifically made for renovating homes as a as like the game concept, and then he jumped into Seven Days because it's more fun. Because you still, even after you renovate the house, you can set a bunch of zombies on it to just destroy it. But yeah. that was that was another element that was becoming a lot more fun was like developing the base, working on the aesthetic of everything, especially your outfits. So, so I don't talk that much. What did you guys like about it? Um, because you guys were playing with me and with the group for a while. Cam, would you like to jump in? I, I sat out on a lot of sessions that you guys played on, so. Well, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I mainly just soloed it myself because I yeah. also, like you said, I didn't want to depend on someone cooking food for me because mm-hmm. then I'd starve, and that's super annoying Yeah, <laughs> to be starving. So I would just kind of eat food and do my own thing and thrive on my own. Mm-hmm. I also liked developing uh, horde shelters and seeing what would be the best way. Unfortunately, we didn't get to a point where like my current design was like not going to work because mm-hmm. I knew it wouldn't eventually because there was no ranged attacks yet. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm sad it died. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, horribly which we like before we talk about why it died on us dave why you actually introduced us to this game even though you didn't get to play that much with us i know that you have been playing this game for years so what yeah and you've been pushing well, it on me for you were pushing it on me for weeks before i started i pushed it on a lot of people for years because it was always a game that i really believed uh just had something for everyone i think that's what i liked the most about it was like if i wanted to go in and like create a base i could just go in and base build for a day or if i wanted to go in and um like just raid a city and um like kill a bunch of zombies i could do that too and there was nothing stopping me from doing one or the other exclusively um especially with a large group you kind of had that freedom of like like when i would go in a lot of times i ended up just like going out on my own and trying to push the expansion of the map because I was uh I thought that we had the shittiest base ever and I really <laughs> wanted us to set up somewhere that made a lot more sense like how Cam and Kenny mm-hmm. set up theirs um and you guys, so you had bad you had bad base bad base I, I I want to talk on that too because you guys well, I understand the criticism but we were having so much fun and I think Cam, or no, sorry, Kyle, Max, and myself, who had never played the game before, were just, like, so excited about this idea that we were working together to create this base. Like, yes, we started off with an incredibly large base that was so dumb to keep fortified because it was just too many blocks to pay attention to. But and they were, first... like, the the top of the base had, yeah. like, six different entry points which i remember pointing out to you guys i was like guys there's like six entry points into this and you were like no there's only the one way to get or not you kyle i think said no there's only the one way to get down here i mean unless you actually go outside and go to this other way to get down here that's not fortified (laughs) in any way and i was like 
so there's already two entry points that you have to worry about yeah. just from that. And then what we learned, it's as if we learned it and took nothing away from it. We learned <laughs> that the zombies will just see that it's easier to break through your ceiling than it is to try to get through those like fortified doors. So we immediately started that next seed and you guys found a bunker that the zombies could collapse in our <laughs> ceiling with. And I was like, well, didn't we talk about this already? Was this not like already considered a bad idea? So yes, that then, is definitely something that makes it hard is that everyone has their own opinion on how to play the game. And it's hard to like focus if you don't have a director, you know, if you don't have somebody saying, yeah. these are the, this is the direction we need to go. This is the best way to build our base. Everyone take your respective jobs and do that. I think that yeah. is definitely the next thing we would have led into. So we started off with U.S. post-69 because it just was funny to us, and that was it. That was right. the joke. But it was too big to manage, even though, and I don't care what you think, I thought it was really cool. We would drive <laughs> all the way down this road. Eventually, you come to a point where you see all of the oak trees that I've planted, and then you just see the suicide ladder from a distance because we in the beginning were killing ourselves instead of healing ourselves in order to restart our characters like health and hunger progress but you would see a suicide ladder from super far away over a mountain or whatever and then there's this beautiful base and it just has towers on each corner and it has a really shitty garage and it just felt like something that like you could not build on your own that was something that was built by four people you know and that something about that felt really special to me just because I almost felt proud coming back from a hunt. It like, it felt like I was in a home instead of in a hole. And, and right. yes, the most effective way to play that game would probably just to be five blocks around you on each side that are incredibly fortified and you have a, a bunker and that's whatever. But like that a just tower. wasn't as fun. It exactly. To be better, but yeah. So, and then, so when we moved over to the next seed, which, you know, we immediately started next to the trader, thinking that would be smart, finding out that we couldn't really mess around with our items or the stations that we were building too much because the trader was too close and it was, like, causing issues for us to drop, like, a a block that said that was our home. I We were so close, I think, to getting to a point where we would have all been on the same page and enjoying that, but... Which I think was just an experience thing as well. Like, yeah. Definitely there's a charm to like getting into a prefab house and like making that work for you as a base defense and mm -hmm. like learning how to improve and how to how to get better at the defense before you realize like, oh, I should have just made like a base that has a singular access point that's made out of really strong material. And like from that access point, you can expand in the air and do all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, or you could even find a way to, to separate yourself so far in the ground that you, you can build on the ground, but there's just such a large gap that zombies need to cross that mm -hmm. they basically just die before they can get to that base. Um, uh, but we always, you guys always took the approach of like a giant landmass, mm -hmm. which was the <laughs> hardest thing to fortify. Yeah. And so like, well, not always. It was just the first time, right? So the second time we were trying to, actually maybe you're right. Yeah, that bunker it was still was a large landmass. Yeah. Like really like an eight by eight. 
and then vertical and then expanding mm -hmm. outward from there is probably it, a more it, ideal scenario yeah. and probably not even a perfect one. Another idea I wanted to try was that we would take over a neighborhood and each of us would maybe get our own house, you know, maybe Which walking I thought was the dead funniest style. bad idea ever. Yeah. Like, I would have, I would have loved to try it because of how bad of an idea it was, but like, but it's an idea uh, you could do. Right. Like it's something yeah, it's you could something actually you could accomplish. Do. And yes, it would be super hard to fortify every house, but it's possible. Yeah. Because like one guy just gets every zombie. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's not going to be that. an even split. <laughs> if Kenny were here, he would talk about that time where we were split off into two groups of three and four. And, you know, you guys had the, 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 the horde on the seventh day and eventually it just disappeared. And our group, which I wasn't like, even playing that it. night. Yeah, we, we, we efficiently killed them. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then what? It was just like a very, Kenny described it as a very poetic silence that, you know, you have the apocalypse around you, this red sky, but not a zombie in sight. Meanwhile, our base that is way too big is being completely demolished. And um, overrun in every location, in every location by zombies. Especially and, like, since, it didn't like, help that you weren't there. But my character I was... was your character was there, which all day long, when you idle in that game, the screamers, which attract miniature hordes, <laughs> just walk toward, like they spawn near you and they walk towards you to attract hordes so that you get punished with dying. But then even after you died, it didn't stop those screamers from spawning. Right. So just all day long, we're going back to the base doing these minor fortifications. We didn't even have time to like prepare mm. for the night. And, um, so that sucked. And then I was there and I was under leveled, which sucked even more for me. What else sucked about um, the game? What did you not like? Um, I, I think that overall, I, I, I don't have anything that I particularly like hate about the game. My, the thing that always sucked for me was that you guys, um, would want to do these like monster sessions mm. and I would be like, I can get on for like an hour or two, but like, I'm not getting on from like 8 PM until 5 AM. Yeah. That was and, a weird timing. Cause I was off from work for like two weeks and I could yeah. stay up until five. I think a, a few of us were. Yeah, and I think that really threw me off because, like, I would jump into the game and you guys would be like, we did this, 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 and yeah. this. And I'm like, you shouldn't have done these five things, but it's good that you did these other three. Yeah. And then you'd be like, well, we didn't know, you know, it's been working out for us. And then, like, I would join in and you guys would be, and that was, like, the fucking death phrase, right? It was, it's been working out for us. And then, <laughs> like, the horde would happen and everything fell apart immediately. And I was like, so that's why I said that you shouldn't have done this. Yeah. And it'd be like, okay, Dave, well then fuck you. <laughs> no, because you approach everything with so much anger and you're just like, this fucking sucks. You guys suck for doing this thing and you should be ashamed of yourselves. It's like, no, but then you look at or, uh, the rival base, you know, and they're just happy and surviving. Yeah. yeah but we, maybe, maybe well, I think listen we were to having Dave. more fun. <laughs> uh, we we didn't we had fun not dying during the horde i had fun building Just saying <laughs> we well didn't die so once. i guess the problem for me was i didn't get to experience any of the fun yeah. that leads up to the horde night and then i just like i would get to join in and you guys would be i remember the one time i was i got annoyed because someone wasn't going to be there and i think it was kyle wasn't going to be there and you guys were like well so should we like wait for him to get back so that he can experience the horde night and i was like i didn't stop you guys from the last two <laughs> horde nights not with me <laughs> i mean i always asked like 
I always tried to just have the patience for people because it was a game that everyone needed to be on for, yeah. And easily, right. easily find FOMO with like, oh, you could play, but I couldn't. So, and on like, I feel like in the past, the, the only reason I really could play that much, like I said, was because I was on vacation. But that getting left behind, I like not not it's not that i want to say i don't envy it but that fucking sucks and i can understand why that pissed you off because that like i you hate being left out you hate not being able to be part of all these great experiences that everyone else is having and that game can yeah. definitely create that uh especially with like how would you do a 16 player server i don't even know like not 16 people are going to be free to play every time and then you would have that happen to probably half of them yeah definitely yeah so um cam was there stuff that you didn't like because you played more god mode than we did god mode oh creative mode, no, whatever. creative oh i mean i did that one time oh okay <laughs> yeah there what yeah it's just to see something it seemed cool that they had that god mode in order to play around with and experiment with stuff that you could then pull over to the main game but, Cam, you seemed to watch videos very quickly mm -hmm. on to learn how to optimize your time in the game, which, um, as someone who had played the game for a while, I appreciated because mm. then it meant <laughs> didn't need to be explained that, like, in order to see a rock, you have to look on the ground and find the thing that looks like a rock. It's, there's no other secret to it. It has to, like, does it look like a rock? So that was that's actually, just kind of how yeah. I... I was say that's just kind of how I play games. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'll restart things to do the most optimum strategy. So instead yeah. of doing that, because I couldn't, because we're playing a multiplayer game, mm -hmm. uh, I had my single player experience first. So I already knew what would be better. And I was mm -hmm. just like, come on, Kenny, let's, let's go do this. Mm -hmm. Ian Walker and Kenny. And we just thrived. Yeah. I, I think. Never died. <laughs> There's a part in games like that not where once. not once. Nice. Well, I'm proud of you. During the horde. At least one person. <laughs> um, I think there's a part in these games where this is just me, but I definitely feel the pressure or I definitely feel a little pushed to not look into every secret for a game so open ended in the beginning. Like, I really love seeing what the game will teach me off the bat what i can learn from just experiencing the world and not looking things up and i think a game like seven days to die you kind of do want to know how to start you know and and there are a lot of games like that like path of exile you want to know how to start the game because then you could spend hours on something that you feel like is was incredibly ineffective like a huge fucking base um i think yeah. in, in this case it was i did it because it's an alpha, mm -hmm. and so they're still changing core gameplay. An mechanics. alpha from 2013. Should we like? I I appreciate that they're oh. still alpha because they are changing core gameplay mechanics. Constant, like still doing mm. that. I would just I mean, expect yeah. after seven ish years um, that they would have at they, least gone into a beta stage at this point. But mm -hmm. um, well, like yeah, like they completely revamped the skill tree and they're adding more things and they changed the mechanics of zombies constantly oh yeah so that's like the only reason i knew like they'll go for the fastest route but that isn't necessarily like like they used to just spawn all around and just come at you straight lined it mm -hmm. didn't matter what the fastest route was they just beat through a wall 
Uh, yeah. But they, they changed it based on how the community basically cheesed that. Mm. To always just go like, oh, this is the fastest route now. But that makes it predictable, which is good. But, you know, I guess it makes it kind of hard, mm. too. But it That's also, like, no fastest route wasn't always the most direct route that, like, was obvious to the human eye. Like, yes. when we were in a bunker, the right. fastest route was collapsing the base above our heads. <laughs> yep. Instead or, of beating down through the iron doors. Yeah. Right, or, like, right. I remember when you were in creative the one time, eventually they were just like, yeah, the stairs are not the fastest route to this person. We're going to just knock the one pillar that like the one stilt that he's on, we're just mm. going to knock that down and he'll just fall down to us. Right. Right. Yep. And it's like really cool that they got AI that can adapt to those types of things. Yeah. So, so if they were like right. super dumb and I mean, they're predictable still, mm. I yeah. just wish if they were, if they were dumb, it probably wouldn't have cared to look up videos on different strategies. Right. Cause those videos also are already outdated. Yeah, because mm. of how they change things. Yeah, I was really interested by that. That each alpha version could have its own set of like community videos made for it, and every single update, you basically tell the last set of videos. Like a video about Seven Days to Die from 2018 is not really relevant anymore. If you look at these videos, you see that the interface has completely changed, and it's just like that's. I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think I want to say it's a good thing because that means that your game allows itself to constantly have new content. So if you are looking for something about Seven Days to Die from 2018 and it feels out of date, you could feel inclined yourself as a content creator to create that and it would get views because there is, it, there's no other videos like it. Right. So And I think... Yeah. I really loved their approach of like, oh, well, we're just not going to release the game in its entirety until like it's an actual full game. And right. we're still like deciding and taking risks on what we want to do. I remember when the game was, oh, you're mining with an axe. Like that's its own experience pool. Like doing that thing um, gets you experience towards that thing. Mm. And so it was like you didn't level up. Like you leveled up minor 69er, but then like you had this base level of something else that like you, you could only use those points in certain ways. I can't fully remember it because it was so many, mm. it was several versions ago, which it was, means it was several years ago. I think it was less that, oh, you're talking about an old version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Where okay. like it was before, before it was literally like what you did was tied to a skill that was leveling up. Right. 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 Think, think like oblivion. To, how yeah. Like, you just run and you upgrade your athletic skill. Right, like as you jump, your sta your athletics increases the more frequently that you jump. But in this, mm -hmm. it was like, oh, the more frequently that you're mining, the, the more your mining skill increases. And that was how you got better mining gear, mm -hmm. which in some ways I liked better. And in other ways, I was like, oh, it makes so much more sense that you have a single experience pool and now you can mm -hmm. build your tree out. Would have looked nice if it looked kind of like a skill tree instead mm -hmm. of just like a list. But... So, um, so why did ahead. we stop? It broke uh, our computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I think that the other two hosts are much more equipped yep. to tell us why we stopped <laughs> this game. It blue screened Cam twice in one night, and then less than a week later, it blue screened me, and now my GPU doesn't work. So, yep. and Dave's theory, well, that makes sense to me. Is maybe it was the custom seed that was a pretty huge fucking game. Um, we 
it was a huge game with significant things that aren't in the base game yeah so maybe it was like narnia the seed that we played on it based like the point of it was that every single base had too much hidden inside of it and you could just explore every single house almost infinitely um but maybe that was just too much as of a load on my graphics card which you know was serving as the server for the game and we were pretty spread out so and I, you were streaming it at times and i was streaming it at times and i was streaming to discord and yeah, yeah i have my camera on so it makes sense <laughs> but it does kind of suck um and it sort of led us to you know looking at other survival games because we had so much fun with that in a lot of moments that we didn't want to lose that momentum um and I also right... think that it was developed in Unity, which is not known for being the most optimized mm. uh, development platform. I, I didn't end up I've played. at talking to anybody about it, though, like from, from the fun pimps. I don't know if, like, we knew that this issue was a little bit documented online of it breaking mm-hmm. people's computers. And I guess, I... yeah. I think it's like a super rare thing and just right. coincidentally happened to both of us. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's not the most common thing, but also like probably from their perspective, it's like, well, yeah, it's an alpha game. We've told we've told you a million times it's <laughs> right. an alpha game. Like it's not optimized for any computer setup. Like this, these are the minimal settings. These are like the optimal settings, but mm. those will change the next time that we that we pop in a significant alpha update. So, right. you know. It is what it is. It sucks. It it really, really sucks, especially in your position now of, like, mm. needing a GPU. <laughs> Which I was lucky that I got that GPU for super cheap from a friend, but still, I'm, I built this computer in October, and now I can't touch it. Yeah, and um, you were almost luckier because you almost got a better GPU for even cheaper. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it leads us to kind of what are we looking for? This kind of pulls back to where we're at outside of this podcast is the discord is pretty big. You know, we have a a lot of channels and right now we have a game section. And in that game section, we started off with a voice and text channel for seven days to die, but it's now become a voice and text channel for survival games. One of the ones that we played afterwards was, well, I didn't get to play much of the in-betweens because I was because of my computer, but I know that we tried a little bit of ARC as a group. We tried a little bit of... Very barely have we tried ARC. Though. Yeah, like, very barely. I think only two people, much of a chance. three people went Max and it. Kenny played it together. Walker keeps trying to push people to play it. So let's so say... I think he's stoked. One thing per host that you want out of the next survival game that gets us all to play together. Camp okay. start. Like what game I want? One like thing an, inside thing. of the game. Exactly. What do you want from... Out of the, the experience. Exactly. Oh. Because mm. I feel like at this point, you're less inclined to play another survival game with four or five people and more just like, eh, I could do my own thing. But Well, I like doing that in... I guess in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, it's more fun to do that in a group, even if I'm still doing my own thing. R- oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So yeah, what is seven days to die is not a game. We're going to really play too much together anymore. What would be 
something that you see in a game for sure. No, yeah, for, for now. now. But I think I think the forest would be a good game. Okay, it's very similar in ways. Um, I know you mentioned Green Hill. That's more survival based, mm-hmm. but the forest is more building based. Mm, I think right. I think that's what people liked about Seven Days to Die. Um, the mechanics in Seven Days to Die, where like things would collapse based on structural integrity, was super cool. And I don't know if that's in the forest. It, it, I don't think it is at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the building mechanic would common. be in there. Mm-hmm. So you, I think that's something that people would like. The building mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the, you know, the physical, um, what's the word? Just the, the reality of it, that the, the structural integrity, that, that is something that you can use common sense to figure out. And it isn't just like, I'm going to build one stack and everything on top of it will be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dave, for, for me, I think that, uh, it's super important that, it's not the same experience for everyone. I think seven days did that. Well, like you said, how Kyle was the miner and Max was the engineer and Mm -hmm. you were the chef and I ended up being the hunter, which I enjoyed doing, but we ended up not needing much of a use for it after very early game. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we would have needed more use for it late game, or if we would have just been so overstocked with resources that like those skills ended up being useless. Um, Mm -hmm. But a game like that, where like you do have, like people who are focused like more conceptually on building a base that is there to, to keep you alive and surviving. And then you've also got the people over here that are more conceptually focused on like, well, we need to also worry about the, the survival elements, not just the crafting and building elements because Mm -hmm. both of them together is what creates that survival experience. Um, and when, when it's not all on one person, that could be, both frustrating and fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's where my frustrations came from, but also when we had the most fun was like when we were all kind of doing our own thing that that we like pieced together at the end to create a whole. Yeah. I and which is why I think it's kind of a little bit like D&D. But Yeah. Um so I totally agree with both of you guys. I would have said those two things for sure. So my other thing would be the gimmick is what is it that sets this world apart from seven days like seven days was zombie apocalypse grounded which is the game that we're playing right now is honey i shrunk the kids survival game Mm -hmm. so i think that's something really cool for me in this game is that you move through the through the weeds and you find a game boy and it's like yeah whoa that's a whole fucking game boy or the fact that we started in this pit and then it didn't it didn't click for hours until I realized that that was a footprint and stuff like that. Like, like what, like, Whoa, Oh my God, I'm standing in a footprint. Like, or seeing the crow on the, on the fence, knowing that's not going to attack us now, but if we get powerful enough, we'll have to deal with that crow and you can already break down its leaves. So the gimmick to me is really exciting just cause like, like I said, I don't care that much me. I don't care that much about, the look of it being super realistic and it feeling like this is a real survival game and you are really in the real world. It's like, no, I'd rather a gimmick. And I think that the, the playing with perspective, the way that shrinking down humans does is just so unique. I I think Mm. honey, (laughs) honey, I shrunk the kids was like a, a pretty good movie at the time just for like, 
watching the like what would happen if like all of a sudden you were face to face with an ant that was as large as you mm-hmm. um or rather you were as large as the ant you can't run into a shelter and hide you have no more shelter um and grounded takes that concept and puts it into a video game where you're controlling the characters mm-hmm. like what would you as someone who's afraid of spiders do if you saw a fucking spider that's twice your size? (sighs) I thought I was over my arachnophobia. I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's, I love that concept of it. That's, that's such a good, that, that is a good gimmick. Um, I think, and that's what Kenny wanted up with arc. He was like, uh, the reason I was so not into seven days is because of like the zombie aspect of it. If you had said like, we're going to survive with fucking dinosaurs. Like I would have been all in right away. Yeah. I think the problem we're finding is that, um, trying to play on game pass, though we have all the content, uh, we don't have the freedom of like the server hosting and, and stuff yeah. that seven days gave us, which has caused a couple issues with us just getting started. Mm. True. Cool. Well, I really appreciate that, guys. I think this was a really great review of Seven Days and Survival mm-hmm. Games. And if, like, I mean, I I think we talked good. <laughs> we, we definitely talked. We didn't give. I like, think a consensus final was it was it was days. good. <laughs> I think yeah. it was more about our experiences true. with it than a review. Yeah. True, true, true. Well, we're reviewing yeah. our experience, right? Yeah. What I I would give Seven yeah. Days a a solid arbitrary number out of ten. Um, now I, I don't know. I, I would say that overall, I think it's a great game. We should definitely continue watching it and, and hoping that the fun pimps continue developing it. It's really cool what they've been able to do mm-hmm. with the game. And I hope that one of these days it becomes like beta, uh, yeah, <laughs> a beta version of the game. Like at least, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a game that's so old. Mm-hmm. I would I would that. rate it seven out of ten days. <laughs> uh, I really loved it, and I would have continued playing it if it weren't for breaking my GPU. I <laughs> would have definitely given it a lot more hours, and I think yeah, maybe the zombie gimmick was getting a little old, but that like there was so much more to do. That for me, the zombie gimmick just made that was what gave you the haste. Of yeah. having to do something, yeah. Like I think, yeah, I think I think it was super important in the game. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you just had infinite time to run around and survive and do whatever, you mm-hmm. you would get pretty bored of seven days very quickly. I think. Right. Cam, I really liked it. Number, I hope. Oh, or five, five, five out of ten. I just said five. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just give me give me a number. Just give five. me a number. Yeah, All right. Okay. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Uh, and if you want to join us or talk to us more about, you know, survival games, give us a suggestion of what to play next. We'll probably still play Grounded for a minute, but let's see what's, you know, what else we'll be interested Grounded's, in. Grounded's weakness is that you can only have four players. Yes, and that's why we need something with six people, I think. Game. Minimum. 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 Six people. Yeah. Oh, we had seven, yeah. We had seven to eight for seven days and i think that if we got a game that like we were all interested in enough and like just constantly talked about more people would end up checking it out for sure for sure so hopefully people check out some of the games we mentioned or check us out and want to talk to us more about it um yeah so i guess that leads us into just the ending 
and about yeah. us and we you know uh do you guys want to tell me what's going on in your lives what's happening um i guess i could start with you know what what is even happening with my life works pretty general um i feel like i spend a lot of time on QWERTYcast, really and <laughs> just like you know not not keeping it afloat but like helping drive the boat it's just i just really enjoy working on this community on this podcast and the content we're creating uh but i've been trying to give my personal life a little bit more attention recently so i've been um not super active on the party cast stuff um mm. and i i want to i want to strike that balance a little bit better but i'm also looking for a job still which is like number should be number one on my priority list it's kind of yeah. like number two or number three uh just like positive mental health being the top thing and then like trying to find a way to balance between uh spending time with shona and spending time with you guys and uh making sure that i eat healthier and uh like take breaks during the day to like exercise mm. even if it's just walking around the block a few times like so that's that's what I've been doing a lot. I bought um, I don't know oh, uh, this like thing that you use on your back. Ooh. Um, and like so you Looks use like that for your back. And use curve yeah, like, with two orange balls legs. at the end. Yeah, I don't have the name of it in front of me, but it's like just a, a thing oh, to it's put like a... pressure on your back and like and get um like a deep tissue type of self-massage thing Hmm. um as well as using it on your legs um like this part these Mm. two orange balls here would actually go in between your calf to massage the outsides of your leg to Mm. get rid of all of the excess um uh what's it called um the stuff that sits in your lactic acid out of your muscles oh i don't know too much about that may I ask you about it later. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm exiting the Navy. Mm-hmm. I'm rewriting to be a civilian. So hey. that's cool. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that too loud? <laughs> Why is the Navy listening? The president? Is the president going to yeah. know? Um, Daddy Biden emails you immediately. Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to find a job right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not worried yet, but the deadline will slowly approach and that's when the anxiety will kick in. Mm. So when you say the deadline will approach, is that like the deadline of like you're a civilian now and you've just got to fucking figure it out? Like we're not yeah. giving you any support anymore? Deadline? Pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Is it, I have, um, how different would it be if you were 20 years in the service versus like how many years you've put in? You get a pension. Oh, right. And oh, shit. You'd be paid for the rest of your life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My uh, but cousin worked. I don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair. My, my cousin worked in the military for a bit and he was stationed in Germany uh-huh. and, um, got to travel around a lot, uh, he hmm. got married right before getting stationed overseas so that his wife could join him. She got to continue her studies while she was living uh, hmm. overseas for years. And now they're, they're settled down in the U S again. I don't know what, I don't know if he's still with the military. I, I don't hmm. know. Uh, 
what kind of offices they have in Texas for that stuff. But um, he, I, I guess they probably had that same adjustment period. I've talked to him a little bit recently about like my move from Los Angeles to Oklahoma mm-hmm. and, and right. how like that was just such a, a jarring thing. He's like, yeah, how do you think it was moving from Germany to Texas? like they'll they'll pay for you to go to your state of origin like where you i guess signed Mm -hmm. but you have to apply for that and trust me they don't um care if you don't (laughs) yeah right they've got enough things to think about (laughs) it's 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 no it's more like they want to just keep you in oh i see what you're saying okay it's harder to it's like almost harder to get out than to stay in right like a cult I won't say. (laughs) (laughs) I still have not, and this is not like a point of pride really, but I still have not had too much of a huge dramatic shift in my like life in terms of like where I live. And um, like when I moved to Philly for college, that was just standard, you know, like moving for college is very, it can be easy. And, and, and like everyone's there at the same time new. So it was easy to adapt. But since then, I haven't moved to a new city. I haven't made a huge change in my life like that. And I really, it's its coming. It's going to happen, and I'm terrified of it. But I don't want to be. You know, I just like, I, I'm terrified of just the bad things that could happen. But I know that there are going to be a lot more like good things that come out of it. I guess my biggest fear is moving somewhere where I just have to like spend the first year making new friends. And that like just sounds exhausting to me, but I, but it's still fun, you know. I skip that by never <laughs> making friends. <laughs> I can't. My, I can't. I, I can't it. be like yeah. that. I'm just. It's just not me, and I have to have a community. Even if I kept the Discord community like alive and stuff, like I would need physical people that I can go see and hang out with. I would need people that I want to go to a bar with. Like that's just. That's why I know it would be an uphill battle for me. I guess fortunately, like I don't have that option too mm. much right now like nobody does you know right right like, at least right, nobody in the fair. u.s um yeah like you don't just go to bars right now yeah um it was tougher in la because um you know i was working on a long distance relationship uh which clearly worked out and uh um max and i were leading very different lives and he was my only friend mm. um i would try to stay late at the office and there was a bar in the lobby and I would go downstairs and drink, but like trying to shoehorn myself into a, into a conversation with people who have known each other for the past year, past year and a half, past five, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. In some cases you're like, Oh, you know, like I'm not going to fit into this conversation. Right. What we, and then like, I found that I didn't have a whole lot in common with the, the people that I worked with where i worked um which super sucked to not find like anybody else interested in video games you're like how is it that all of you are only (laughs) interested in sports and music and that's like that's where it ends like every now and then you're like oh game of thrones is a thing you're like it sure is (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, so that was tough for me in Los Angeles, but since moving to Oklahoma, I haven't really felt too, too pressured to make friends right. be- 
one because of the discord community, but two, because like, where am I going to go out to the bar and then I'm going to come home and like die. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Did we hopefully, I don't, yeah, I don't know how long it's going to take for most cities to go back to like a regular bar hanging out sort of deal, but who knows? Shona was wondering how much of that would actually even like how much of that culture would even come back. Like, are people going to be super anxious to like, are as many people going to be super anxious to go to a bar and buy a beer for $9 when you could buy a six pack for 12 and, and hang out at home with a group of friends. I mean, we know for a fact that people didn't stop partying together. They just couldn't right. do it in bars, like and you know clubs. But people are still partying in mass in groups, whether or not they they are getting sick. But yeah, the the group. But so are they going to go out. back to bars? Right, exactly. Like a closed yeah. space. You know, are they going to go back? Is it going to happen with masks? I feel like everyone I talk to who exercises with masks hate it. Hates it. Everyone who like has to wear a mask for a prolonged period of time and not sweat hates it. So yeah. will that even uh, work? They're 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 gonna go back to bars. They already do here. Yeah, I, I know I mean, it's gonna happen. People go just won't care. But um, also, once you have like, the vaccination and you have like this little card that says I'm clear, you know, it, what are you gonna care? And yes, it, whether or not is it's it actually really gonna be like that. Like yes, it, I, I guess my thing is I like think so. I think in in the U.S. very briefly it might get back to that. Um. But I think that very quickly after that, it'll be like, and this is the vaccination that doesn't work for the other strains of this deadly virus. And that it's going to be the same thing where like, as soon as X amount of people die from a different strain of it or whatever, because mm-hmm. even this vaccination is, um, I, for lack of better words, a, a crock of shit. Uh, would I get it? Yeah, <laughs> likely. But like, do I believe that it's actually going to, in the long run, help us in any way? Mm-hmm. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's too quickly developed. There's not enough research done on it for as much as we can do in a short amount of time now. That, I mean, I like, think the and then co- like the well, flu vaccine isn't even a good vaccine. Like it's a, it's an okay. I, I would say that the um, this vaccine is a little different yeah. because they um, the SARS is back in 2010. It's a very exactly. similar virus to right. what COVID 19 is. So they already had like a way to develop it, and plus yeah. just the pure like we need this now mm-hmm. <laughs> right just kind of really helped get it out there but so i think it's gonna be fine then there's already people that are doing shit to fuck it up like yeah okay we have a way to develop it it's just like it's got these benefits to mm-hmm. it um but then you've got people who like the story in philadelphia if you haven't heard of the like relatively like a grad student who oh yeah then was in charge of yeah and like distributed to his friends well it's a two vaccine it's a two issue vaccine like there's two separate times they have to get it. Mm-hmm. So now his friends got the first one. What if they don't get the second one? What will that mean for when the virus can now have a host to adapt to this vaccine through? Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happened where, it, what was it, Washington State, where people were stuck in a snowstorm and like they didn't want the vaccine to go bad, so they just gave it. They went to people's cars and were like, hey, do you want the vaccine? And people were like, yeah. And like you give them one dose of it, but they're never going to get the second dose. They're not cleared to. Mm. So... Not to mention the fact that it's already hard enough to keep enough of this vaccine coming for the people who are allowed, like, are able to get it. Um, 
and even those people like my mom is is qualified to get it in march and she got her first appointment set Mm -hmm. and then they were like yeah but like we can't set you for a second appointment like within a month after your first one there's no availability for a second appointment Mm. and it's like then at what point in time is that even useful you're you're, like you said it has to be done at this time and then two weeks later at this time and you're like but we personally can't execute that so i don't know (laughs) i don't fucking know (laughs) that that's that's where my concern comes from is is less from like oh it's not gonna be effective this bill gates is gonna track like none of that stuff i don't believe i think that's that's all nonsense Mm. but but like the the thought of uh this vaccine might work if we could do anything effective with administering it and actually getting it to people when they need to get it and um expanding how many people can get it more rapidly Mm -hmm. it's definitely a conversation that we can keep (laughs) fucking having it's gonna keep we're gonna keep talking about it for the whole year but Listen, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love yeah. for March to roll around mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the government found out that it actually knows how to like be productive and and get oh, well. something accomplished. <laughs> yeah, it's but not like happen. right, but like I'm looking at not getting a license unless I wait outside of a DMV for 4 hours mm-hmm. because I can't make an appointment until next year. Right. In a That's county ridiculous. that has less than a million people. A county, the whole county, not the city. So, like, mm. for that, like, that does not give me a high bar to expect anything to be different with this vaccination. I am not going to counter-argue that I have any faith in any of these systems. So let's close this podcast <laughs> out with, on a great <laughs> note, uh, positivity <laughs> abound. And we're just going to let people, you know... Like, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to QWERTYCAST. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion on survival games um, and just longevity in video games. Please recommend to us any games that you think that we should look into and do, like, even a deeper dive of that have been around for a while. I, there's so many games we didn't even mention. We we almost brought up too many AAA and AA games, but there's hundreds of games in the indie sphere that could continue being played for years and they're continuously being developed like those games are coming out more and more now because people have been spending years playing with the tools that they want to like that that they want to in uh, like continue for years holy yeah. crap i'm Throw so it into bad our indie English. game hype channel <laughs> yeah like, exactly indie if game there's hype. an indie game with longevity that mm-hmm. we really just did not discuss that like you're going to be mad that we didn't talk about it. We'll talk about it, <laughs> yeah. but tell us about it. Comment and somewhere. We'll play it and talk about it. Uh, Rimworld, good game. Oh, all right. Well, just say it. <laughs> we just need a list somewhere. Centralized list. Yeah. Um, but, okay, thank you for joining us. And we love you. Cordy Cast out. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers, our Cordy Cast hosts, our audio engineer slash musical master, Gary, and you, our listeners. If you would like to join our community, find us through QWERTYCAST.com, which has links to all our platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, Discord, and even more. 
on behalf of everyone here at QWERTYCAST, thanks for listening. This is Dave saying QWERTYCAST out.